us to be great communicators on our jobs and be lousy communicators in our homes. Yeah, yeah. And so we want to talk about this today. Uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. First, let me ask, has this family series been helping anybody? Amen. 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 Uh, Proverbs 18, 21. And I just want to talk really about this one phrase. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Amen. Somebody can tweet that. The tongue has the power of life and death. There's a bounty on our words. <clears throat> there somewhere, somewhere there's an adult who's doing ordinary things, who could be doing great things if someone at their home would have had the wisdom to tell them so. All sorts of words are uttered in our homes, but there are only specific word combinations and context that have the ability to push us from average to great. Now, words alone cannot create greatness, but words can certainly kill greatness, and words can reduce greatness to mediocre and to average. Jesus died on the cross so that we could be more than mediocre. Paul says that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So Jesus' crucifixion was for the purpose that we might excel in our living. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I want you to note this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. Paul says that we are to excel in faith, in speech, and in knowledge, and also in our giving. I want to talk specifically today about excelling in our speech. I want to challenge us to master communication, to master the words that come out of our mouths, not in terms of prose or poetry, not in terms of flair or the depth of your vocabulary, but I am challenging you in the name of Jesus to master the content and the intent of the words that you speak. For your worksheets, aspire to be an excellent communicator of the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, the text told us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And what a difference it would make if we were taught at home how to communicate better. So many things we're taught, but there's no place really that prepares us for the massive amount of communication that's going to be required of us, particularly at home. Uh, talking, uh, talking, talking for Jesus and talking about Jesus can help guide how we speak. First of all, there's a difference between talking for Jesus and talking about Jesus. And what I want to challenge us to do today is not just talk about Jesus, but to talk for Jesus. Now, I want you to do me a favor and to use your sanctified imaginations 
And if you don't have a, a sanctified imagination, use whatever imagination you have. And I want you to imagine with me that at home where you live, that the words that you have spoken in that home have become personified. They have become persons. And those persons are now dwelling in your house with you. These are words that you have spoken, words that you have said. They have not gone any place. They have not evaporated nor dissipated into the ether. They are still alive and hanging around your house. And suppose there was a, 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 a law or an injunction that was issued to come to your house and to search your house for criminals that are hanging out there or for deadly weapons that you are harboring without a permit. Now, when their search is done to your house, would uh, the words that you've been spoken, that you have spoken, be considered harmless? Could we take those words that have become personified and hire them at our local daycare centers or schools or children's units at the hospital? Can we put them at the detention center to speak power and life into those juvenile uh, inmates who were there? Or would those personified words have to be lined up, photographed, and plastered on posters and posted around the city uh, with a caption, armed and dangerous? Well, perhaps that didn't uh, get to you, but suppose in, when you went to the airport or to our public facility, suppose uh, instead of going through a metal detector, suppose uh, we went through a deadly word detector. Suppose, in other words, that, that there was a machine, a contraption, that would determine whether or not in your spirit, in your mind, in your heart, on your tongue, somewhere in you, there was a cachet of deadly words in you. And you would not be able to fly or go into the hospital or go into the school or the governmental building if this deadly word detector detected these words in you. Well, I would think that there would be a lot of people who would not be able to travel. Amen. Amen. Because uh, there's a lot of stuff in us that comes out in how we speak to each other. Just as sure as there were 17 homicides in the city of Miami in 2012, and 14 of these 17 homicides were African-Americans, and 12 of these 14 were African-American males, none of which received much media attention at all because the media only gets excited uh, if they can sell commercial time and uh, if someone can make a buck on somebody else's misery. But these deaths mostly went unnoticed and unaddressed. But I want to say this today. Just as sure as those deaths took place on the streets of Miami, hundreds, maybe even thousands of our boys and girls have been shot and injured by flaming phrases, poisonous projectiles, and name-calling dropping like napalm bombs on a battlefield. And we often talk in our homes like we're talking to an enemy. Are you all still here with me? In other words, you're talking to your son. 
and you're talking to your daughter, and you're talking to your husband and to your wife. That's your grandmother that you're speaking to or your grandfather or your grandchildren. The text tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. We cannot afford another senseless loss of life on the streets of Miami or on the streets of Sanford, wherever we live. We can't afford to lose anybody else needlessly. But neither can we afford to lose lives in our homes due to careless and callous usages of words. Our homes should be a place where we are producing life. Our homes should not be killing fields. We are called to speak life into dead things rather than speak death into living things. Are you all still here? Therefore, we must remember that when we speak, we are speaking for God. When we speak, we must accept the fact that someone, when you're speaking, someone is forming an opinion about you. And if you are a believer, not only are they forming an opinion about you, but they are also forming an opinion about God. And we must find ways to talk about Jesus Christ, but we must not only talk about Jesus Christ, but we must also learn how to talk for Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians, note this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. This is, this is saying that the words that we speak should be spoken so that God would get the glory. Now, Jesus taught us that you cannot fight fire with fire. Somebody say amen. amen. Let me see if I can make it plain. That means if someone verbally disrespects you, you do not verbally disrespect them back. If somebody curses you or if somebody cusses you out, yeah, that means you don't curse them back. Are you all with me? If somebody lies on you, then you don't lie on them in return. But I want to say this about speaking. You're not going to be able to speak to the glory of God in your own power. You're going to need more than your own strength. In other words, you're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. I know I'm right about it because I've set some things under my own power that I wish that I had not said. I wish I had somebody who bear with. In other words, I have tried to control my temperament and my thoughts and my actions in my own power. But I've grown old enough to understand that if I'm going to be victorious in this area of my life, I cannot do it in my own power. Uh, James chapter 3 says this, that the tongue can no man tame. You can tame sea lions and you can tame walruses and you can tame horses and dogs and parrots. But thanks be to God, the scripture warns us 
that the tongue can no man tame. I wish I had a witness. In, in other words, if we could tame it, we would have tamed it. And if we could handle it, we would have handled it. And we, if we could control it, we would have controlled it. But the tongue can no man tame. Therefore, you're going to need another source of power. Now, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit, yes, the fruit of the Spirit is this, it's love. The, what the Holy Spirit is bearing in us is love, and love manifests itself through joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I want you to write this down. The Holy Spirit does not major in controlling us. In other words, the Holy Spirit fills us, but the Holy Spirit does not control us. What the Holy Spirit does is takes up resident in us, and he bears a fruit in us called self-control. And as this fruit comes to maturity, it gives you power to live in a way that you cannot live without the, the fruit-bearing influence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so one of the fruits of the Spirit, one of the manifestations of the presence of the Spirit in your life is not that you're drawing attention to the Holy Spirit, but you're drawing attention to Jesus Christ living a crucified life that is controlled, self-controlled through the power that the Holy Spirit gives to us. Yes. And so the Spirit does not major in controlling us. He fills us with power so that we can control ourselves. In other words, the Spirit may not give you material prosperity. He may not give you popularity in this community. But the Bible tells us, Minister Ray, that he shall give us power. He will give us power. And with this power, not only will we be his witnesses, but we will be able to speak words that produce life and not death for your worksheets. All things are possible if you know how to communicate. Amen. All things are possible if you know how to communicate. Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 24 says this. Look at this. Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. If anyone says, somebody says says, the words you speak are important. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. I know there are some things that you might feel are categorically impossible in your life. But what this text is saying, particularly in the context of how we speak to each other, you have to be careful what you say because there, are, there is power in your words. And since there's power in your words, you want your words to produce life and not to produce death. Now let me give you some, can I offer you some practical tips? These tips are not in the Bible per se, but there are practical tips. And I don't want to speak specifically uh, to parents. 
for your children. Purchase vocabulary building tools. It is not enough for you to purchase iPods for them to listen to the latest songs without also equipping them with tools that would help them be better speakers. Are you all with me? Why vocabulary building tools? Because the word that you choose to say matters in terms of whether or not you get your point across. And the more options you have in terms of choice of words can determine your effectiveness in terms of what you communicate. Are y'all feeling me? In other words, sometimes it's the choice of the word that really makes the difference as to whether or not we communicate what it is that we're trying to say. Secondly, this is just practical. Practice the power of positive speaking. Ask God to rebaptize you, but to baptize you in the Holy Spirit another time and to purge you of all of your negativity. Ask God to take all of the negativity out of you, to take it out of your mind, to take it out of your heart, because a negative word, a negative attitude can kill the spirit. In other words, let me, let, me see if I can, let me see if I can make it plain. Ladies, I need your help here. It's not what you say, but ladies, it's what? Practice the power of positive speaking. In other words, you want to speak in such a way that the person in your family knows that you're on their side. And then third, here's a practical thing. Participate in the conversations in your home. Now, some of us, the problem is not that we say mean things. The problem is we don't say anything at all. (laughs) There are some of us, we talk on the basketball court. We talk when we're at court. We talk when we're on the job, we talk when we're watching the ball games with our friends, or we talk when we're on the phone with our homegirls, but some of us do not talk at home. Time we get in the house, we are silent. Amen. We're not in subjection, but we're silent. Y'all will catch that later. <laughs> we're silent. Participate in the conversations at home. For your worksheets, articulate words that heal and encourage. All right? Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. Look at this verse. It says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. First, this verse specifically addresses difficult conversations. Amen. Amen. Now, if you're in a family, it's eventually going to happen in a family where you're going to have some difficult conversations. And so in the context of these difficult conversations, it says here, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, let's talk about full of grace. You know what grace, this, you know what this means? This means when you're in a conversation 
always be willing to offer the person you're in a conversation with something that they do not deserve. In other words, the way the person has act, behaved, and spoken to you, they deserve to get busted in the mouth with a good, yeah, yeah. They need to be slapped upside their head. I mean, somebody, I mean, they, they deserve for somebody to say something that would just put them in. Are y'all feeling me? I mean, they, they, based on what, they, what just came out of there, what they had the audacity to say, they really deserve for somebody to get them back. But you will never have a healthy family environment if we are always trying to get each other back. And so it says, let your conversation be always full of grace. Though the person may deserve to be told off, though they may deserve to have a piece of your mind, the Bible says extend grace. You know what grace is. You know what it's like to deserve to be punished. But God does not do it. In other words, it's saying exercise some restraint. And offer the person what they do not deserve. And then it says, also, let it be seasoned with salt. You see, salt exists in a domesticated atmosphere only for purpose. You bring salt into your environment for a specific purpose. In Jesus' day, the primary purpose of salt was the preservation of food. Since there was no refrigeration, they would use salt to preserve the food so that they could survive. And so what this is saying to us, when you speak, speak with the intention of maintaining these relationships in your house. Are you feeling me? In other words, I'm just trying to tell you, there are some things that you can say, and you can say them in such a way irrespective of what your intent of your heart was, but you can say them in such a way that you bring great harm to your relationship. In other words, after a person hears what you said and fully digests what it is what you say, many times what it is that finally kills the relationship is not what we have done, but the things that we say after the deeds have been done totally kill. Are y'all feeling me? And so it says, let it be seasoned. In other words, when I talk to my son, when I talk to my daughter, when I talk to my spouse, when I talk to my relatives, I must have the intention of maintaining the relationships. Now listen, negative behavior needs encouragement and correction. Now we're good with the correction. We have a PhD, amen, in correcting negative behavior. Am I right about it? Yeah, yeah. It, listen, I'm, I'm sure. If y'all just repeat it, y'all, when y'all know the rest of the phase, phrase, just repeat. If I told you once, I told you what? A thousand times. How many times do I have to? If I have to tell you. We, <laughs> I brought you into this world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, 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 we're experts. We know how 
to apply correction. But look at what Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says. This is dealing with difficulty, difficult situations. Look what it says. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful. Somebody say helpful. For building others up according to their needs, that they may benefit from those who listen. And now, verse 30, and do, look at this, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now look, this is how we grieve the Holy Spirit. Now it says, get rid of all bitterness. For it's hard to communicate in a healthy way when there's bitterness in your heart. Listen, bitterness will drive folks away from you and leave you by yourself so that your bitterness will tear you up without destroying them. Are y'all with me? It says, get rid of all bitterness. And then it says, rage. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and confess my sins because I know y'all not going to do it. So I'll just go ahead and confess mine. But I have had a conversation or two in my life that has escalated to the point of rage. Anybody ever been there? Whoa. And I'm telling you, anytime it escalates to the point of rage, it has never resulted in anything positive. As a matter of fact, after I calmed down, I asked myself, what in the world got in to you? The Bible tells us you've got to work on that. It says you need to get rid of rage. It says you also need to deal with your anger. Because words spoken in anger are not easily forgotten. They can do permanent, irrevocable, unchanging damage. They can stunt the genius in your children. And they can wipe away the promise on the life of your seed. And so the Bible says, deal with your anger. And then it says, get uh, rid of brawling. Stop fighting. Stop closing the doors in your house, telling your children to sit down and be quiet while somebody's behind some closed doors going at each other. Y'all getting quiet on me. Say, stop the fighting. And then slander. What is slander? It's this. It's being angry with your child, being angry with your spouse, and then getting on the phone and calling up somebody and telling somebody all of the negative attributes about your spouse or your child. It's about being so angry, then you start Facebooking people, and you start sending emails, and you start having these long three-hour texting marathons about what's wrong with your person in your relationship. Whether that's a child or a spouse, a spouse, listen, if you don't spend three hours talking about how great they are when they do something good, don't spend three hours on the negative stuff. Don't slander a person because you're having a disagreement. Don't feel the need to make somebody else look bad. And so it says, get rid of slander and all forms of malice. And then it gives us the prescription, tells us what to do. It says this, be kind. 
Not just because the person's kind, you be kind, period, and compassionate to one another. And then it says, forgiving each other, and it says you have a model. It says you have an example. It says, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So it says, if you really want to know how to do it, he said, all I want you to do is kind of roll your memory back. I want you to just look at where you came from. I want you to look at all the stuff you personally have done in your life. And I want you to pinpoint the time. GPS put a pin map on it when Jesus Christ met you, when he found you in your worst condition. And I want you to look at what Christ did to you, how he saved you, how he forgave you, unconditionally loved you, how he blessed you in spite of yourself. And just like he did it for you, this is what I want you to do for those people who you're in relationship with. Now, Jesus gave us a wonderful model because Jesus' words give us more power than pain. You see, when people mess up in our lives, we want to inflict pain. When we feel pain, we want to naturally inflict pain on somebody else. And we'll do it to anybody. Don't think because they're your child, you won't do it to them. More children have had pain, emotional pain, inflicted by their own parents than they have on outside. Let me give you an example of how this is supposed to work. <clears throat> you remember in the 15th chapter of the Gospel of St. Luke, there's a story about a man who had two sons. And the one boy was kind of a mannish boy. He just, uh, just a boy just wouldn't do, y'all ever met a kid just wouldn't do right? He's one of these kind of kids. He knew everything. At the age of 15 and 16, he had been blessed with the spiritual gift of omniscience. Mom and dad don't know anything anymore. He knows everything. And so he says to his father, Father, I don't want to hang around here. Give me my portion of my inheritance now, and I'll go ahead and make life on my own terms. And so the father gave him the portion of his inheritance. And what the boy did, he did the opposite of everything that the father had taught him. Y'all ever seen a kid like that? Seems like the kid is, is just hell-bent. I don't care what you do, what you say. That child is just determined. If you tell that child to brush his teeth, he breaks the toothbrush. If you tell the child to wash his face, he throws the soap in the garbage can. Everything you tell them to do, it seems they're determined to do the opposite. And that's what this boy did. He took his dad's money. He saw his dad invest the money. He saw his dad's estate uh, blossom and prosper. But he did the exact opposite of everything he had learned, everything he had seen. And he went out, and for a while it worked out. But all of a sudden, things came falling apart. And the boy found himself, the Bible says, in a very difficult condition. Couldn't get a job, didn't have any money, didn't have any connections, found himself in a hog pen. Now, let me say something to my parents here. Parents, you're going to have to stop chasing your kids down and rescuing them all the time. You see, if that boy would have gone out and been really successful, he wasn't going to break daddy off none of that money and give daddy none of that money. You see, sometimes you got to let the kid alone because one thing he has if he has sense enough to disobey you, he knows what he has been taught. And while this boy was in his worst condition, the Bible says he came to his senses. Hallelujah. Isn't that what parenting is all about? You want the child to come 
to their senses. The Bible says he came to his senses and he said this. He says, my father has servants that are living better than me. He says, what I'm going to do, look at him. He's got all kinds of intellectual rationalization skills now. He says, I'm going back to my father's house. He said, I'm not going back as a son. I'm going to ask my dad if he would give me a job. I just want a job to be able to support myself. And so what the boy does, he makes his way back home. But the Bible says something about the father. After this boy has done the opposite of what the father has taught him, has disappointed him, has embarrassed the family, the father is standing on his porch. And the Bible says he sees the son a long ways off. Now, here's the old man. He's about 55 or 60. He's had about four bike accidents. He's got a bad knee. He's got his hip replaced. You know, he's got bad joints, but he does the best he can. He ain't going to win no sprint with this. But the Bible says he runs. He runs and he embraces his son. His son tells his side of the story. Dad, just give me a job. I'm not worthy to be called your son. But the father does this. The father gives him encouragement. Encouragement. And you know why that is? Because when you mess up, really, nobody has to tell you over and over. That you messed up. I mean, when you mess up, you really know that you have messed up. So we don't need a person to keep going over and over and over where we failed, but we do need encouragement. And so poor behavior needs encouragement as well as correction. And then finally, I want to say this. In your family, teach your family how to pray. I want to lift up a concept here that God is a part of your family. In your home, it's you, your children, your spouse, but guess who's also there? The Lord is in the house. Are you with me? And since God is in the house, we need to include him in the conversation. I want to ask you a question. Is there anybody in here who's ever had a situation that's been so challenging that you really did not know what to say? I mean, the the situation was such a challenge that you actually were at a loss for words. What you were experiencing, you couldn't even articulate, you you couldn't even articulate what you were feeling or what you were thinking. And I'm telling you, sometimes when you're like that, the best thing to do is to try not to say anything. Are you with me? You just try not to say anything. But here's, here's the remedy. is to apply what we're taught in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through verse 20. This is what Paul says. Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the devil's scheme. Look at, this, look at here. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. And then he says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand. And he says, now in verse 14, he says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place with your feet fitted, with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. And in addition to this, 
take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, often, we stop right there with the whole armor of God. But it doesn't stop there. The next verse continues. And then it says, and pray. A part of the armor is also to pray. Because one of your great, greatest sources of protection is your intercession and your conversation with God. And so when you're having a situation in the family, when you don't know what to say, you don't know how to say it. One of the best things you can do is to calmly gather everybody together and say, let us pray. Are you with me? And talk to God about what's going on in the family. Now, this is not in the Bible, but it is true. A family that can consistently pray together. I wish I had some help in the house. I'm not talking about just praying trouble, but I'm talking about a family that will talk to God on a consistent basis. A family that can consistently pray together. You know when your family starts becoming uh, vulnerable is when we stop praying together. I would just encourage you, if you can't do anything else, muster up the courage, sacrifice the time, come together to pray. Let me tell you, sometimes in houses, you have somebody in the family that doesn't like folk praying. I, I'm just trying to be honest. There's somebody in the house that's against prayer. In other words, they're going to get mad. Listen, they're going to get mad and pitch a fit if you say, do you mind praying with us? What do you do in those instances? Don't ask them to pray. You see, because you don't need no fighting and you don't need no bad attitudes when it's prayer time. You leave them out of the prayer. And this is what you do. Get those who will pray and sneak a prayer. Come on now. Get those who will pray and find you some place that is not offensive to the non-prayer and y'all go ahead and pray and drop their name in the prayer every now and then. And don't pray that God would fix them. Pray that God will bless them. Pray for blessings on their life. Pray for blessings to overtake them. Pray for God to heal their bodies. Pray for God just to anoint them. And I'm telling you, what they will do, they will come to you asking you to pray. Somebody give him praise. All I'm trying to say, when times get to the place that we can't handle it, let's talk to God about it. Talk to God about it. May mean sometimes just the mother and the children are praying. But that's all right. Pray on your way to grocery store. Pray on your way back from school. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pray where you can. But pray. Are you with me? It may mean it's just the father and, the, and, and, and sometimes maybe the wife praying. The children, the teenagers are mad and cussing. Don't want to pray. Don't want. That's all right. Go ahead. Just sit here and be quiet. You don't have to participate, but we're going to pray. And you know what? The Bible says this. It says the effectual and the fervent prayers of the righteous. I know I'm right about that. You know how I know I'm right? Because I'm looking at y'all out here. And I'm, when I'm looking at y'all, I know what I'm seeing now 
is not what's always been. And I know you're not who you are now because you're so great and smart and all that. Somewhere, somewhere, there was somebody who was secretly and silently praying for you. Somebody had you on their prayer list. Somebody was lifting up your name. Somebody was covering you while you was pouring yourself another drink, while you were smoking another joint, while you were dating another guy. Somebody was praying for you. And look at your life now. Your life defies what you've been through. Defies who you've been with. Pray. When things get to that place, that, Lord, I don't know what to say, rather than send forth potentially harmful words, humble yourself before God and pray. And the Bible says this, that those who humble themselves, that God will exalt. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand to our feet.